You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into a new edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. He is Sean Fitz. I'm Tyler Donahue, and we are recording on a Friday morning where, although we are right on the verge of June and just days away from the ability for prospects to get on campus and a week out from this first prospect camp, sure feels like March weather this weekend, Sean. I know that you are heading toward the coast. Uh, I hope it works out for you. I'm just a little bit bummed as we sit here recording. I'm looking at the clouds, wearing uh, wearing the long sleeves. Not how this weekend was supposed to shape up. Actually, I'm I was heading to Maryland uh, to see some friends, but with the they have a pool, and with this weather this weekend, we can actually switch plans. So we're staying home for the weekend. I am going down to Hershey. There's been promise of a brisket by a buddy of mine down there, so that's where I'm headed. Um, but now it's it's completely changed. It's like. 45 or 50 degrees this weekend. I'm I'm all about just skipping this and getting right into camp season. <laughs> well, there's your weather forecast report. I'm doing a little staycation mode this weekend too. So uh, we'll be in town. Uh, and then next weekend, a lot of prospects will be in town. That's where our focus is going to be. Next week, we have some conversations lined up, uh, kind of getting everybody set for what June means um, and what it's going to present opportunity-wise for Penn State football, something we've been focusing on for some time. But we begin this episode by looking at another commitment. It's been a pretty quiet uh, May across college football. Sean, you've mentioned this on the podcast before, the commitment numbers across the country are way down compared to normal because we've got this holding pattern, guys waiting to get on the road, take their official visits. But Penn State picking up three of them, a safety Tyrese Mills, offensive lineman Malik McNeil during the first week of May. And then this week on Tuesday, Alex Paquetta considered the top-ranked punter by Cole's kicking uh, across the 2022 class, commits to Penn State, the second consecutive cycle in which Penn State will invest a scholarship into a specialist. And this is one that when he announced, um, we were wondering, okay, what is this? Who is it? And uh, as we'll hear from Alex in in a little bit, he's going to join this podcast and and talk about his decision and what he brings to the class. Um, It was one that he just felt ready to, to, to make this jump a month after the offer came through. Yeah, and I think on the whole, it's surprising that Penn State picked up three commitments in May because there's only 35 Power Five commitments in May. Like, and Penn State got three of them, so that's a pretty, pretty, pretty big chunk that's out there. I think only a couple of schools got multiple commitments in um, in May, so that's kind of surprising because you were expecting. Okay, so in a case like Paquetta, you you were expecting. Okay, Penn State Penn State's got a specialist camp next weekend, so you're thinking. Okay, maybe they want to. I've said, okay, 14 times in the last minute. So I apologize for that. Um, but they've, they've got this camp set up where they want to come in and check out guys. Well, they offered Baquetta last month. He set up an official visit. So you think, okay, he's going to make it to, to um, uh, June 18th or whenever he's set to come in. And now all of a sudden he, he ends it. So kickers, they keep us on their toes. We appreciate that. Um, but a little bit surprising. We, we will talk to him later in the episode. He was great um, talking to Tyler and I. So getting into that uh, a little bit later, but, Hey man, top ranked punter in the country. I know kicking rankings, very fickle guys go to their camps and they rank them. So Cole's kicking corn blue sailor, whatever, but to be number one on any of those is, is certainly a, a, a good sign. And to have a scholarship offer from Penn State at this point in this recruiting cycle of all cycles says a lot as well about what Joe Lorig thinks of, of, of Alex Paquetta. Um, this is a, a guy that you watch some of the video clips he's put on social media. You, you see a little bit of the, the highlight film that's up from his most recent season at Westminster School down in Atlanta. And a big leg, a guy that, that as you'll hear in a bit, also putting a lot of uh, invested training in becoming a kickoff specialist. Right now you've got your punter slash kickoff specialist and Jordan Stout uh, for at least this year. He has eligibility into 2022, but that will be his sixth year at the college level. It's a guy who has NFL ambitions. Uh, We'll figure out if six years is too long for him or if he's going to stick around. Regardless, though, Sean, this is a move by Penn State and offering Baquetta in April, picking up his commitment before he gets to campus, where 
not going to be the most glamorous uh, pickup of this recruiting cycle. And at the end of the day, probably will be the most overlooked commitment of this 2022 recruiting class because of the position. But we've heard from Lorig in the past. And if you speak with special team or special teams coordinators across college football, it is so pivotal to get these decisions right. I mean, it, it's see kicker and punter recruiting very odd because, you know, you, you might be the top punter in the country and only have four or five scholarship offers to your name. Very rarely does someone come along where Alabama is in on Georgia, Clemson, you know, Ohio State, you know, very rarely does that happen. So you've got a situation where he's got offers from Arkansas and Virginia. And, and to be honest, sort of the, the method here is any FBS power five offer at this point is really good if you're a kicker, because most, uh, most kicking special teams, coordinators, kicking coaches want to see these guys in, in person before it happens. Um, you know, you, you get a, some some sort of a feel when you get those workout videos and stuff but until you basically hear the ball coming off the kid's foot you you have questions about okay is does he get out there and and is he one of these guys uh, is he one of these top guys and you know they're stingy with scholarships they got Sanders Sahadak last year the kicker and obviously his films and his leg is is undeniable i think Paquetta's kind of in the same um in, in the same stratosphere in terms of being a pun, uh, just being a punter um, staff watched his tape this week and they were kind of blown away. It takes a lot for a punter or a kicker to blow somebody away with uh, with a highlight tape. But uh, Baquetta was able to do that. They were able to get it going pretty quickly. He told us in this interview, you know, he knew he kind of always knew that Penn State was a place. He's got some connections there. His father's from Southeast Pennsylvania. Blake Gilligan, of course, came from the Westminster School. So there's a lot of things sort of pointing him in this general direction, he was able to get up in August, check out the campus. That was big for him. So he, this is kind of one that's been in the back of his mind for, for a long time. And, you know, we were a little bit surprised when it hopped on us this week, but I don't think there's any surprise that he's ended up in this class. Uh, as Sean just mentioned, from the same program at the high school level as Blake Gillikin, who was a four-year starter as Penn State's punter, now in year number two with the New Orleans Saints, also the same program uh, where you'll find Holden Stays, who spent considerable time committed to the Penn State class at tight end, uh, now in Notre Dame's class. But uh, he was able to get to campus in, in the summer, and that's something that we haven't seen a lot of players to get to do, and that includes members of this recruiting class who have been committed to the program. And as we talk about that, about the change, Sean, you're not 11 commits, and and, and that's a, a significant number, I think, and number six in the 24-7 Sports National Composite, which you like right now for Penn State, trailing only Ohio State among Big Ten programs and what they've been able to put together. Um, 11 commits before June, is that a higher total than you anticipated? You just mentioned getting three in the month of May was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, I, I think it's kind of right in the middle. You you look at the um, the 24-7 sports team rankings right now. Georgia's on top. I, I believe they've got 13 commits right now. So the, the team's at the top. Ohio State has 12. LSU has 13. Notre Dame has 13. Uh, Penn State's at 11. So just under that threshold. So, but but then you go down, you know, further and you've got, you know, Alabama is, is a little bit further further down the list there at 17 right now with six commits. So I, I don't know that there's any right way to go about it, but if you look at the the class that Penn state's been able to put together, I mean, this is a, is a big group of, uh, of high, you know, high quality targets, guys that they targeted early on. Um, but you're, there's still space in there. So you've got 11 commits right now, probably not even halfway full. And you, you've got certainly plenty of, of guys coming in next month. And and that board can always change. You, you've got camps. So maybe you offer a kid and he jumps on it at camp. So there, there's uh, it's, it's a good mix of having your, your ducks in a row with the guys that you've got committed everybody seems pretty solid. We talked a little bit about Drew Shelton last week and, you know, he's set to be on campus a couple of times in June. So that's good. So seems to be moving in that direction should hear probably some, some good news with Ken Talley. Not that there was any question about his recruitment should hear that a little bit later today. So uh, I, I think that you're in a spot where you feel good about the guys you've got. You kind of did your due diligence in making sure that those guys would be solid through the process. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I'd still be, completely shocked if if none of them made an official visit elsewhere just because of the the sort of the situation that we're in right now um but you you're you're feeling good about the guys you've got you're feeling good about some guys that are making it to campus in June and you know I think it can be a very active summer for them and they they have the space to do it so each of the three pledges that Penn State picked up in May Tyrese Mills Malik McNeil and Alex Paquetta 
they picked up their Penn State scholarship offers here in 2021 at different points. Uh, for Mills, it was late March. I think McNeil was February or January. Uh, and then in the case of Bacchetta, uh, it was April. So the one thing while you're adding these pieces, Sean, that I think impresses me the most about Penn State's 2022 recruiting class is that we haven't seen the number dwindle from the foundation that they built starting last summer and, and through the 2022 season and into this or through the 2020 season and into this winter. Um, guys like Caden Saunders and Jerry Cross, while you, you said goodbye to Holden Stays earlier in the process when Tyler Bowen moved on, you know, these were two names in Caden Saunders and Jerry Cross that, that we had both circled and said, let's keep an eye on this. Uh, Saunders in Ohio, so much of an uptick in, in power five interest coming his way this winter into early spring programs like Alabama, Notre Dame, Florida state, trying to push, trying Trying to make him reconsider what Penn State is offering him. Um, and then additionally, uh, Jerry Cross never got to campus before he committed last year. Um, a player who continues to, to blow up physically at, at the tight end spot, a top 10 prospect at the position in 24-7 sports rankings. And you figured, hey, we, you'd understand if Jerry Cross wants to go explore. Now we've gotten a span of a week. We talked about last week, Caden, Caden Saunders locking in as a Penn State commit not going to check out other schools. Jerry Cross following suit, doing the exact same thing with an announcement on Thursday morning, Sean. That's a big deal. I know Jerry's excited to get to campus. He's done his best to be a peer recruiter despite that lack of familiarity. Um, and, and just two substantial, substantial confirmations about where things stand with this class. Some other guys to monitor here, but what impresses me most about that num- that, uh, that total of 11 commits is that you haven't lost guys who've been around for, 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 for a while now. Yeah, the, the cross one is fascinating to me because when he committed or when he said he was going to commit, it caught the staff off guard. They didn't like they thought they were in a good spot with him. They didn't know that they were ready to get him in. And kind of they had that little like two week bubble there where you're apprehensive about getting in there. You're apprehensive about taking him because you don't know. OK, does this kid understand what what, what you're talking about when you say he's committed? Because when you, you have that talk with with um, prospects and even in this cycle, you have that talk with prospects to say, hey, if you can't you know, if you think you want to take visits, don't commit yet. I mean, this is not a, a, a space that you have to put yourself in and put, put us in because number one, uh, you've got, you, you've got your whole recruitment ahead of you. You haven't seen anywhere. You haven't really been out to any schools, I think, except Wisconsin. And number two, on the flip side, if you're recruiting two tight ends, like they were at the point at that point, I mean, you're going to shut other, other guys out. Now, eventually Holden stays did jump. Um, so you're, you've got a little bit of wiggle room there, but you know, it's kind of a two-sided situation. That's kind of why they do that. So um, the cross one has been fascinating to me. He still has not been on campus, very strong in his commitment. Um, and, you know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And for once we're talking about Penn state football saying it doesn't make a lot of sense and it's going in their favor. So that's, that's certainly a good one. It has been, uh, in a lot of ways, a reversal of fortunes compared to that 2021 uh, recruiting cycle for Penn State. Again, that number now at 11 total commitments, number six in the 24-7 sports composite nationally. A couple of quarterbacks in the mix, potentially three blue chip caliber wide receivers, a couple offensive linemen on board. Um, defensively, you're looking at Ken Talley, Tyrese Mills. Um, and, and look, Sean, this is a, a number that We've been saying when we get to July, we're really curious about where that number is going to be. Um, before we go too far down that road, I think we're going to talk about it a lot into next week about you know setting the stage uh, for a huge June. Circling back to 2021 class, because we're, we're almost complete with that in terms of guys making that transition from high school players to Penn State student athletes. We got five more incoming freshmen. One of them, though, has been up in the air for a while because Lonnie White is going to have a chance to make himself a lot of money right up front to play baseball, whereas it's going to take more of a, uh, a more of a weight to do that in football. It's going to take some time in Happy Valley, and, and he's going to have to prove himself in a Penn State uniform. Baseball, the, the reason I bring this up, Sean, is because the Philadelphia Inquirer and, and, and their longtime columnist, Bob Brookover, this week, wrote a story Wednesday, I believe, on Lonnie White and how he is you know, trying not to think too much all the time about this decision that, that he's facing, whether to go and play two sports at Penn State or whether to, to take advantage of a, a becoming an MLB draft pick in July. But he is he's not decided. Um, and his baseball coach was quoted in that story several times and made it very clear. He thinks that is the sport he should head in. Uh, but uh, Penn state, the thing is, all you can do is wait. I mean, you're waiting for clarity. You can, you can be engaged. You can remind him of the plan you have in place, but 
you're not recruiting him anymore, really. I, I think it's going to come down to the fact that they'll have a contract in front of them that's offered and presented, um, and then they'll have the, the the Penn State path and get to campus this summer. Where, where do you kind of come down on this? Because I've seen this play out in different corners of college football where a guy's a high-level prospect in two different sports and can make money coming out of high school versus waiting until he's in his 20s, but I haven't actually covered it to the extent where it's right here in front of us uh, for a recruiting class with Penn State. I've never looked at as many Major League Baseball draft mock drafts as I have this this summer or this spring or whatever. It's it's fascinating to see um, just the range there because you're looking at some people that see Lonnie White as a surefire first round pick and you've got guys that don't have him maybe in the top 75, 100 picks. So it's all over the place. I, I know signability is huge in baseball, so um, they'll have those talks with them. I, I, you know, you, you don't get a string of confidence, especially after reading that article. Um, you know, the, 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 you mentioned the baseball coach, it was funny who quote unquote, I, or maybe not quote unquote, but didn't have a horse in the race, but he definitely thinks he should play baseball. Um, kind of talking out of both sides there. Uh, but no, I, I get it, man. I mean, you're, you're talking about being an instant millionaire. Um, you know, he's obviously got a lot going on and, I don't know how you couldn't think about it. And I honestly, at that age would be terrified to think about it. So mm. it's, it, it's a certainly a situation where you can't blame him for, for, you know, wanting to think about that life changing generational money. Um, but at the same time, the kid has said a lot of the right things. I, again, not a ton of confidence based on the fact that he's got one option that has millions of dollars and one option that, <laughs> that doesn't. Um, but it, it's going to be it's going to be a white knuckler all the way through there because it's 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 not easy to make that decision. Obviously, I've never found myself in that same similar situation. Thank goodness, or or not. But uh, it's been a it's been a really tough one to. Uh, I think it's been really tough on Lonnie. I, I think he's he doesn't talk much to begin with, but you know you kind of could get that sense from you know from people being around him, coaches being around him and things like that, that it's like, that's really weighing on him. And he's such a phenomenal prospect in both sports that, you know, I think he could be an NFL guy as a wide receiver. Um, but at the same time that, you know, that's not going to happen for at least three years. A lot, a lot can happen in that time stretch. So I, I don't have any, I wish I had an answer for how this one's going to go. Um, you know, you, you can't obviously offer a kid millions of dollars to play college football. Um, but uh, it's, it's going to be a tough one for him coming down the stretch. Lonnie White, if if we can remember here, was initially a baseball commit at the college level, committed to Clemson to play baseball down there. Uh, football career took off at Malvern Prep, ended up with a bunch of offers, committing to Penn State, guy that was viewed as you know three, four, five different positions possibly. Looks like he's pegged as a as a really you know potentially outstanding wide receiver at, at Penn State, a guy that we've mentioned maybe comes in, makes an impact as a freshman, and in this three player class at receiver long term, it's hard not to view him as the one with the highest ceiling. So, like you said, maybe three years, four years down the line, he's being discussed as a marquee NFL draft prospect. And if you get picked in the first round of an NFL draft, even toward the tail end of it, that's six seven million dollars of a signing bonus. Right now, if it's you know north of one million dollars at eighteen years old, that's nothing to sneeze at. And just, you know, you're looking at what's the passion in terms of those sports. Um, James Franklin called him their version of Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders on signing day. So uh, there's been no secret on, on Penn State staff that they're going to have to get through this kind of threshold with with Lonnie White. And that draft takes place July 11th through the 13th. So at that point, <clears throat> you'll have an answer. And you'll have to move forward with it. And it, it may be, a, it would be a tremendously difficult loss uh, if he does go and play baseball. But I think it's one that uh, for the Penn State coaches, you just simply have to stomach it because of why he is making that choice. But this is something we'll revisit in the summer because we got a ways to go here. But I thought that that Philadelphia Inquirer article on Wednesday, because of the fact that we don't hear much from Lonnie White. We haven't had him on the podcast. He's not a guy that's really going to dive into the details of what his decision-making process is. This was the first time we had the curtain peeled back a bit in some time. And like you said, didn't come away from reading that article, feeling the good vibes for seeing him in a Nittany Lions uniform this fall, to be honest with you. It's almost like he's too good at both sports. I mean, it'd be one thing if he was an elite baseball prospect and a decent you know, prospect in, in football, obviously a division one player um, or vice versa, if he's an elite football prospect, which he is. And then just a, you know, a pretty good, like we saw what Taiwan Malone last year um, wanted to, he factored baseball huge into his, into his decision, went to Ole Miss. He's not a 
like a high level draft pick guy, but still that's, that's kind of the situation that you were hoping for uh, with Lonnie white. So I think people got, maybe got their hopes up when his batting average wasn't 500 coming out of the gate this year. Um, but now it's, it's almost like he's almost, he's, he's too good uh, at both sports and that's going to make that decision even harder. And that's, uh, that's tough to say now, Penn state, obviously preparing for it. Um, you know, they, they, they've, offered a lot of wide receivers. They brought in Trey Wallace um, late in the class. And that may have happened regardless of Lonnie White's status, because they, they think a lot of what he's uh, what he did at the high school level. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're still out there. They've got a couple of commits in this class, Anthony Ivy, Caden Saunders, of course, Makai Flowers could probably play there as well, but still in on guys like Christian driver. You reported this week that Andre Green's going to be on campus in July. Um, that's certainly, a, I mean, he's a really, really good prospect. Um, yeah, Darius Clemens from Oregon is going to come in uh tyler johnson they just offered so there's a bunch of guys that are out there we talked about this on the first episode this week so they're sort of covering their bases in that aspect and you know you don't want to say that you know you you're pretty good with where you stand with the guys that are committed but still they obviously want to add another one or two guys to that receiver class like you just mentioned, it seems like they are going heavy at, at wide receiver in the 2022 cycle, particularly when they already have as many as three four-star prospects at the position in their class. But Sean, is this an area with Lonnie White's decision coming essentially, what, three weeks before uh, your preseason camp? Is this something that could potentially be addressed and uh, whether it's directly or kind of supplementally? through the transfer portal, which is another spot where we've seen, you know, running back and cornerback and these different areas on the field uh, impacted is receiver in play at all there as we enter June. Yes, I absolutely think receivers in play because, but it's, I don't think it has as much to do with the Lonnie White situation. I think it's more about what's on the roster right now. And like we said, you feel pretty good about those first four up um, with Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert Smith and Cam Sullivan Brown. And then after that, there's a lot of guesswork involved with, you know, guys like Daniel George and then young guys like Malik Mega and Jaden Dotton. So there's not, I, I think it's the, the guys that they're looking at in the transfer portal and there hasn't been much out there, um, but they, those guys could come in and play right away. Those guys are, you're looking to bring in a guy that maybe for a year, maybe two, um, especially with the eligibility kind of wave that, that that's happened. So um, yes, absolutely. Wide receivers still in, in play there. I think a lot of positions still in play their quarterback. Certainly just still looking um, at, at that position, even on the offensive line where it seems like you really don't need one. I mean, that, that could be a spot defensive back um, is certainly, you know, they've got a lot of corners. They got a lot of really good corners, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them try and go out and add another corner safety type guy to that room because you want to get an athletic or you want to get um, experience. You want to get ath- athleticism back there. So nothing, you can't rule anything out with the transfer portal. You never know who's going to pop in there. Um, as we've mentioned, I, I think that the the market after the spring probably hasn't been as strong as expected. I don't know if that has anything to do with added eligibility or, you know, just kind of a, a different way of looking at it in, in um, from a, from a college football standpoint. Um, but yeah, you're still going to be looking in there. They're still going to be going after. And I think wide receiver is definitely a candidate because you need somebody maybe can take a top off a of defense, maybe can help you out in the kick return game. Um, those wide receivers, as we say at the high school level, just so versatile, they can help you out in a lot of spots. Penn State's second summer semester begins in late June. The MLB draft, again, July 11th, and then preseason camp to follow in August. So plenty to sort through with those storylines. There will be uh, resolutions just ahead, but uh, in the moment, there's plenty to speculate on with the transfer portal with Lonnie White um, and, and how all that's going to play out at wide receiver between now and August. That's We're a, that's take a, a decision I, I do do not envy the kid for. I mean, obviously envy the, the end product there, yeah. but I, man, that's got to be tough for a 17, 18-year-old kid, man. And it's it's going to make such an impact on on him one way or the other. Uh, and and look, like you said, the initial the initial decision is going to be a good one. Regardless, he's going to be in a really good spot and enviable position. You just wonder you know, when Lonnie White's thirty years old, will he look back at the decision he made coming out of high school and, and be content with that? You hear a lot of this with the multi sport athletes. Sometimes it work out, works out wonderfully. Sometimes there's some what if work involved there. Uh, we're going to get into a quick ad break and then we're back with Alex Paquetta who committed to Penn State this week and uh, get a nice and not just a a general review of what he brings as a specialist, but personality wise, there's a lot to like about this young man, as you'll hear in a moment. Stay with us. Then we're back with our five star mailbag uh, and a quick note on surprisingly how, how close we may be to kickoff here in 2021. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We continue here on the Lions 24-7 podcast with a conversation with Penn State's most recent commitment. It's the 3rd of May, number 11 overall in this 2022 recruiting class. And Alex Paquetta out of Georgia, a specialist accepting a scholarship offer from the Nittany Lions. We welcome Alex on with Sean and myself. Congratulations and welcome to the Lions 24-7 podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, uh, my family and I are extremely hyped up about this, so uh, happy to speak with y'all. This is one that dropped on Tuesday evening, um, one that required a, a little bit of a scramble on our end, I know, to get the reporting out <laughs> there. Um, what made the timing right for you? You picked up your scholarship offer in April, so it didn't take too long for you to reach this decision. Yeah, it didn't take long. Um, I've been talking to Penn State for, oh my gosh, year year and a half now um it's really it's really where i've always kind of uh seen myself uh to be honest but um the offer didn't come until you know probably like two or three weeks ago and that moment i was like um at, at that moment i had already previously um scheduled a few official visits to some other schools um but when penn state offered um i kind of knew that was the one right off the bat um and uh I didn't really want to waste the other school's time that I was being recruited by. So I, and I knew like, I, I want to be committed um, to that school to Penn state because I knew that was the right choice for my family. And I, I mean, you really can't go wrong with Penn state, the amount of pluses that, you know, I'd be receiving there are just unbelievable. So um, very happy to have already committed to Penn state. I'm happy to be a part of the new uh, 2022 recruiting class. How did that relationship sort of take shape? Obviously, you have a few connections, you know, not really family connections, but Blake went there and you came up for a visit and and, and there's, you know, just a lot going on. Holden was committed for a time, mm-hmm. uh, your your teammate there at Westminster. Uh, how did that relationship sort of take root? Who who have you talked to the most and what uh, what really sold you on, on Penn State? Well, I actually do have some uh, family connections. My, a lot of my dad's side, well, my, my dad is from Kennett Square, which is uh, near Philly. Um, he kind of grew up a Penn state fan, but I, um, that, that kind of transferred over to me, but I, uh, I, I've been talking to coach Lorg at least once a week. And I even talked to coach Franklin at least 15 times. Um, and, but I talked to coach Lorg, coach Ray's back. I've talked to some others, but, um, in terms of me, I mean, it's coach Lorg. I always been talking to, and it's uh, always a pleasure talking to him, but, um, to have the head coach, talking on the phone with you as much as you know someone like coach franklin is it just that's what separates penn state from a lot of schools uh, because it really shows how much you're valued um and how much kickers and special teams in general are valued valued so um that's what really uh, led me on uh, to uh committing to penn state uh, that re- that was a big part of my decision the relationships um and i know penn state has uh, great relationships with uh the recruits and their families so that was a game changer. Alex, you you had a few other Power 5 opportunities. I'm sure more would have come for you. You talked about the active nature of James Franklin in a specialist kind of recruitment. Do you find that often when you were dealing with coaching staffs, it was just the special teams coordinator, maybe an assistant or two? Did this kind of separate things uh, for the Nittany Lions? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, Penn State definitely separated themselves. I mean, a lot of the schools I was recruited by, I, I was speaking actively to their uh, special teams coordinator um, or analyst or quality control coach. And, you know, I, I've spoken to some other head coaches, not, uh, not as much as uh, James Franklin, but, um, you know, it, James, Coach Franklin, like he, he 
oh my gosh, like it's the, the respect that he's shown to my family and me, um, is just the same as, you know, he'll, he'll show to the other guys. And that's what, that's what really stood out. Um, so, you know, so, um, coach Franklin, I mean, all those guys I've, I've been talking to the other schools. I mean, there are a lot of schools. I mean, the first person that I would usually talk to is the analyst. Um, and then I'd kind of work my way up with Penn state. I mean, coach Lorick, you know, he, I've done so many zoom calls with that guy. I mean, it's, it's been a, uh, it's been a privilege, but I mean, it's, um, you know, I started out really with him and it's, I think he was the first guy to ever come in contact with me. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty exciting. You came up in August to check things out on your own. I mean, did you, you just have a feeling that this, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big investment to make coming all the way up from Atlanta. Uh, did you just feel like that was one of the schools that was really the most serious about that? Because kicker kicker and punter recruiting is just a completely different animal than what we're used to, to following with position players and things like that. So how, how did you sort of uh, filter out who would be serious about this? Who, who really wouldn't, and who was just kind of talking to you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've trusted Penn state a lot. Um, and I mean, I knew, uh, I've known that they were, they would be top of my list either way. Um, yeah. And I, and I took like a self-guided, uh, visit with my father who, who is from Pennsylvania. Um, I'm definitely happy I did that because the schools that offers from, I've always kind of wanted to give back to the schools who've invested in me. So I, I, w- I would go on a visit to that school, like a own vi- or personal visit to that school, not like a official or unofficial or anything like that. It's just um, that helped in my decision a lot uh, because I did want to, um, you know, find the right, as soon as I would find the right school, I wanted to commit to that school. And I knew Penn state is that school. Um, but that, visiting definitely separated itself uh because i could see myself at the penn state campus no doubt i mean and that was when i visited that was during you know the heart of coronavirus you know so there was there were not many people on campus um you know it wasn't too live in the campus all that kind of stuff right i couldn't go into any of the really the buildings or anything like that um specifically the athletic buildings but um I could still, I mean, I could still see myself at that school. You know, I could see myself, you know, coming out of the locker room, hitting dingers on the practice field, then in Beaver Stadium. So, um, and, you know, succeeding in the classroom too. I mean, Blake, Blake obviously was, you know, academic All-American a couple of years. I mean, I, I hope to do the same thing um, coming, you know, coming from the same academic background as Blake is coming from. I mean, it's, you know, academics are kind of a priority in my family. So. Um, in terms of academics, I could see myself there for sure too. Tyler, before you ask your serious question, dingers, huh? Yeah. Well, you see, I, I kind of refer to, you know, I, I refer to my puns sometimes. I like to have fun with it. Cause you know, if you're not having fun with it, you're not going to succeed. But I, you know, I refer to them sometimes as nukes, moonshots, stingers, you know, cannons, you got to have fun with it. I mean, I, I just punt it. I'm, I'm the sweatiest man on earth, but I mean, I got the first video of my pun, sent it over to Coach Lorg. I was like, here's the first ball of the day. I, I think I said it was the first dinger of the day. Um, went on to hit several several more dingers. But, uh, you know, I got to stay humble with it. But, you know, <laughs> I uh, you, you can't get too crazy, but it's you got to have some you, you got to have some fun with it sometimes. Sean and Alex, before I ask my serious question, what qualifies as a nuke? You know, it, there, there are a lot of things that go into a nuke. You know, a nuke doesn't mean, you know, a 65-yard, 5-1 hang ball. Like, if it's – like, there was one ball today I hit, right? It was probably like a 48-4-9, right? It hit the sidelines at like the three-yard line. Boom. My job is complete. No return. That's I, – I consider that a nuke. I mean, if we're hitting directionally like 60-yard, 5-0s, oh, my goodness. So, that's a sight to see. So, I, I'm going to have to say that's a nuke too. But, um, you know – 45 yard, you know, punt with no return. I'll take that, you know, if it's directionally good and all that kind of good stuff, but I'm just going to continue to get better and uh, work harder and improve, but maybe my dingers will, you know, get even better. Who knows? Well, we had a, a an enjoyable time dealing with Blake Blake Gilligan during his days on campus, a four-year starter, um, you know, a guy, whenever we got a chance to meet with him in the media like this, 
really an engaging conversation, colorful conversation. I think you take after him there as well. You mentioned the academic stuff, but from a football standpoint, how much has he been a resource for you? I know coming from the same program, there's a, a natural connection there. Now that he's with the New Orleans Saints, how much you know weight does his word carry when it came down to it? A lot. I mean, he, he's been a great resource um, in terms of you know, provide me with uh, some information about Penn State and his experience there. And we go out and punt. I mean, whenever he's in town, we're always out there um, at some point. I mean, I've I've had a lot of balls with him. I've learned a lot from him, um, you know, and he's his efficiency and um, knowledge about punting is, is just unbelievable. And I've learned so much from that. Um, so I've uh, that that's you know, that's that's been a great resource for me. So. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's unbelievable. I'll tell you that. We we saw Blake really quickly uh, respond to you on Twitter on tu- on Tuesday night. Did he personally reach out to you in any way? Uh, kind of welcome you into the the Penn State family unofficially at this stage. Oh yeah, I mean we we talk a lot. Um, we're always talking about um, you know maybe like drills or things about Penn State or maybe a, a story about one of the high school coaches that we both had or something like that for fun. But it's you know, it's, we, uh, <laughs> I didn't realize he said, um, you know, those were, those were his arms, you know, that I, that my face was, uh, put into, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, he must be lying or something. Cause I mean, those are totally my real arms, you know, those biceps were just massive. So, um, no, I'm just playing that. That's, that was pretty funny, but, um, but yeah, again, I mean, he, He's been honest with me. He's been up front. Um, but there's still so many positives about Penn State. That's just, I think it's the perfect decision for my family and I. When, when Blake committed, part of that was the plan that they laid out before him. Obviously, you know, a great opportunity to come in and start. Right now, it's kind of murky with, you know, with Jordan Stout, with the eligibility thing. He's got, you know, he's technically a junior, um, but mm-hmm. this will be his fifth year. So what, what did Penn State say to you about your opportunity to, to play right away? What What's their plan for you when you come in? Well, I got to win the job first. And I mean, it's, you know, it's, I mean, if Jordan comes back that extra year, then, you know, I guess I'll compete with Jordan Stout. I'll have fun with it, you know, so. But will he stay that extra year? I don't know. Um, that's his decision, but, um, either way, no matter who's there, I'm going to, you know, do what I do, give it everything that I have. Um, you know, you know, uh, I'll have to compete with some walk-ons, but I mean, they're going to be walk-ons at every school. Um, you know, there's going to be competition anywhere that you go. Um, but I'm just going to go in, keep my head down, keep working. Um, and, uh, you know, try my hardest to succeed, you know? It's, it seems like you may have hit it off with some of those members of the special teams room. I just, I saw some, uh, some, some long snappers tweeting at you and things like that. Have, have you developed relationships with, with anyone, you know, really outside the coaching staff, whether it be players, other commitments, recruits or anything like that? Yeah, I, I'm really good friends with Sander, uh, the kicker who's committed in the 2021 class. Great guy. Um, you know, I know Gabriel Nwasu. He, we've both kind of gone to the same Coles kicking camps for a while now. Um, you know, I know a lot of guys, Michael Wright, he played a BT, um, Ken Saunders. I mean, he, he reached out to me last night, Bo Pula. I mean, he, you know, there were a lot of guys. I mean, it's a lot of guys that have already reached out to me and they've been very welcoming. So I appreciate that. Um, just making me want to be there already. So, uh, but there are a lot of guys, I mean, Jordan Stout, I mean, we talked to a good bit. Uh, we've talked with each other a good bit. I mean, it's, um, yeah, he, he's been a great resource just like Blake has, um, you know, and it's on the field. I mean, everyone, we're all going to be competing with each other on the field, but I mean, the more relationships you can form at the same time, that's what I, that's what I love about Penn State and Sander or Jordan. I mean, he said like, you know, Jake, Jake and him are always competing. Um, but at the same time, they're like best friends and that's, that's something that I just, I, I love. Um, and I definitely see myself doing with some of the other guys. Will I be with the Penn State? 
Jordan is punting now, but when he first got to Penn State, it was kickoffs and, and long-range field goals. He still does both those things. We'll see how what to extent he's still doing those this season. Uh, but I, I checked out your huddle film, and, and as a specialist, it's, it's a little bit limited, of course, but a lot of kickoffs going out the other team's end zone. Is kickoff specialist something you see yourself at? And, and, and how about field goals? Is that something that you put any kind of consistent focus into in your kind of ritual, weekly ritual of preparing? Well, I train it all three um, pretty consistently. Um, like today, I did um, kickoffs and punts. Um, I like to start with punts and I'm moving to kickoffs. I, I, I invest a lot of time in kickoffs. I'll tell you that. Um, I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm very consistent at them. Um, and something I think that separates me is I can hit high hang times while driving at the same time. Um, I mean, my main focus is punting. I mean, that's what Penn State is recruiting me to do. But I think the more you can do as a specialist, the better, uh, the more value that you'll have. And coaches will appreciate that, um, you know. And I mean, I'm just going to go in there doing the best that I can at all three. Uh, I know Jordan is, does <laughs> most of the special teams uh, kicking right now. I mean, it's crazy, but, um, you know, I, I think – um, I'll want to compete at all three when I get there. Um, cause I mean, I invest a lot of time at all three. So obviously my main, um, priority is punting, but, um, I train at all three. Uh, Penn State special teams coordinator Joe Lorig told us last year that he's got to be so careful and cautious working with James Franklin about making sure you're putting scholarships into the right specialist because if you get one wrong, it blows you up. It's not like offensive line where you assign five guys each year. Um, so for you coming in, you mentioned the versatility, um, but how do you actually get to the point where you're convincing the coaching staff here at Penn State and a few others that you're worthy of that scholarship when you don't have camps, when you don't have in-person recruiting evaluation? How were you able to set yourself up as you know, Cole Kicking's number one uh, kicker and uh, punter in the country without all of that ability. Well, yeah, it's it's been hard um, since there's been you know the NCAA rule. You can't go kick in front of coaches or anything like that. And I want to make my decision, um, and I knew it was Penn State. It's just, I mean, when I get there, um, I'm trying to go up early a couple times, um, you know, and really have a nice transition into college because my school doesn't allow graduating early. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I can't be up there spring ball. Like it'll be right. I'll come in, I guess in June or, uh, yeah, I think June and then, um, you know, start doing my thing. But I think showing consistency is the number one thing. Um, like coach Franklin told me the other day, it doesn't matter if you can, hit, you know, like one, you know, 60 yard, ball out of five balls and the rest are shanks it's better to hit four to five balls or you know 45 four fives um you know what i mean it's i think i've been getting very very consistent and efficient lately um i'm just going to keep improving that consistency and uh once i get there that i think i think that's going to be my uh then that's going to be my strong suit so i'm really looking forward to them seeing me in person um because i you know i Sometimes you got to show those dingers in person and I mean, they'll, they'll fly through the sky. So uh, you got to have some fun with it. Are you, you coming up for camp or anything? I know you set your official visit originally, but you know, sometimes when guys commit, they reschedule and they, you know, maybe you're coming up that weekend with all the other commits. What does the summer look like now for you? Yeah. So I have, I have an official visit scheduled June 18th through the 20th at Penn state. Um, I know there's some other guys who are going to be there as well. Um, but I'm trying to come up. There's a specialist camp that I'd, I'd definitely be interested in going to. Um, I know there's there was something like a day that uh, there were going to be some recruits or something going up, and uh, I want to perform with them. But I didn't realize um, until too long ago that on official visits, you cannot kick in front of the coaches. And that's a little disappointing because I thought I would be able to. Um, hopefully – I can kick with, you know, Jordan or Sanders or someone up there. Center obviously lives in Pennsylvania. But, um, yeah, I would definitely have interest in going up there. I mean, I definitely want to uh, go up there and uh, perform in front of the coaches and uh, start that transition. Obviously, my, my priority right now is um, finishing strong at Westminster and then doing the best I can in high school or in college. Um, you know what I mean? But 
Um, in terms of Penn State, I, I definitely want to be up there soon. Interestingly enough, Alex, you are the second player from your high school program to commit to Penn State this cycle. Holden stays, spent several months in the class, now heading to Notre Dame, change of plans there. But were you able to pick his brain during the course of, of this decision process and help you get to Penn State? Did he have uh, some strong words of, of kind of positivity for the program to offer you? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot. I mean, his relationship with Coach Franklin and uh you know, I mean, the support that, that Penn State has for its recruits. And um, I mean, it's there's a lot of things that went into the decision. Um, I, I kind of took a little uh, information from everybody and uh, talked with my family a lot about it. But Holden State's definitely helped out. Um, obviously, he's committed to Notre Dame now, but uh, that doesn't mean I wasn't able to gain some uh, nice insight about Penn State. Um, but again, there were a lot of people who I kind of took some information out of their brain and uh you know i'm happy to be a nittany line in about a year or so well about a year from getting to campus uh now on board with the 2022 class alex paquetta uh we appreciate your time alex we look forward to learning more about you in person maybe seeing you on campus uh down the road here this off season but uh wishing you well as you get ready for your senior year yes sir i appreciate it happy to be on here Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Big thanks to Alex uh, for joining us here, quickly putting that one together. Enjoyed that conversation. Um, Sean, again, I'm going to just give another tip of the cap to Blake. He was always great to deal with in our media interactions, uh, a fun specialist. I'd say Jordan Stout has a lot of that to him as well. And here's another guy that 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 kind of will fit right in, uh, just needs the mullet. We'll give him a few years to grab that mullet. Yeah, I feel confident he's going to end up with one at some point. He was he was great to talk with. Uh, you know, dingers aside, it was it was a fun <laughs> conversation. We appreciate having him on there. And and as we met, I don't know if we mentioned it, but he did it in his car, and oh my gosh. It, it was like ninety degrees in Atlanta. Obviously, he doesn't have his car on, doesn't have his air conditioner on. He was sweating buckets, and uh, he hit it pretty well. And he kept uh, he kept his uh, <laughs> he kept his mood pretty well. So we appreciate him doing that for us. Gutsy effort on the on the podcast here, to, to sitting in a sweltering car and answering our questions for twenty minutes. Uh, that's that's not an easy thing to do, Sean. I was surprised, that, and I and I had a you know I said, okay, how many days are there until September fourth? I think going into this week, I was like, it's got to be getting close to a hundred days. And yeah, now we're now we're under a hundred days until September fourth, which is when Penn State's going to kick off against Wisconsin. We now know that's a noon kickoff in Madison. Um, so. We have our countdown going up on the site. We tried, we've done this a few years now. We tried it last year and it stopped and started and stopped and started. And we missed a bunch of guys because of it. But that's going on right now. And we're going to correlate the, you know, the, the jersey number to the countdown clock. And we're going to go through the whole roster. It's a good way to refresh things for us. And it's a good way, hopefully, to refresh things for you. But it, it kind of in recognition of us getting under that 100 day marker, which is, you know, viewed as a bit of a milestone in the offseason, Sean. Biggest question marks, 100 days out, now 99 days out. To me, I was going to say, are they going to squeeze anything else out of this pers- out of this offseason from a personnel standpoint? But I think you did a really good job addressing the transfer portal question before we got to Alex's interview. So I, I pr- think I'll probably pretty much you know put this one back to the good old reliable topic and say, what can Sean Clifford and that quarterback room accomplish with Mike Yersich away from the practice field, away from that formal setting between now and and the start of preseason camp. I think that is a huge, huge storyline to follow and and whether or not they will have company in that quarterback room, which ties into the transfer portal conversation as well. Yeah. And that's always the frustrating part is the biggest questions you're not going to know until September, until there's, you know, sort of live bullets flying there. So I, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, can Sean Clifford handle what's coming at him now? And, you know, are we going to see a different player? You know, hopefully we see a different player than we saw last season. So I, and you, you just don't know, obviously, I think he's kind of lost a lot of the benefit of the doubt that we gave him going into last season based off of the, the 11 wins as a first year starter. 
I don't know where that stands right now. It's it's going to be something that we just kind of sit and stew and talk about all summer long. Um, and you re- you really don't have an answer for that. And that's that's probably the toughest part. Is you know you think you can you can you can address that personnel situation that you talked about. You can address several things going into into preseason practice, and then you see where you go from there. This one, it's just like okay this is your guy. This seems like it's going to be the guy that you got to roll with this year. And, and can he be a different player? And if not, how long is this season going to be? And I would add three other names uh, in terms of questions and, and what's going on at, at, at the lash, at the lash building right now. And what's going on um, as these players get together for, for peer workouts, three names on the move. We think from a position standpoint, Keaton Ellis, who we saw finish up spring practice at safety, a uh, guy who has a lot of experience at cornerback, another guy who has plenty of experience at cornerback, Marquise Wilson, finished spring practice at wide receiver, where, as you said, there's a lot of room for someone to make a move beyond that starting group. And then Jesse Lucetta, who we got the subtle, not so subtle hint from James Franklin that he could be on the move. Where to? Not totally sure. Defensive end is what we've discussed. That would seem to make sense based on the physical stature and positional needs. But those three names, guys, we've seen play extensive football for the Nittany Lions in the last couple of seasons, Sean. Where will they fit in and how much can they impact Penn State? Because all three of these guys could end up making a major, a major difference somewhere else in the field. Yeah, that's that's a big question as well. I mean, I, mean, I don't know that these guys are going to have the biggest impact on the the on field product right now. It's we we get into the spring and and the off season. We talk about the experiments and all that kind of stuff. But at, at the end of the day, I mean, is Keaton Ellis going to be you know go from being a, a a fourth corner to a fourth third or fourth safety something like that? And what kind of uh, effect can he have on the defense? So I think there's still plenty of questions out there. I, I would love to see that that development take place and. And to, to be fair, you know, kind of the precedent last year was Trent Gordon, who made that move from corner to safety. He didn't get a spring ball. He didn't get the offseason to sort of learn the little things. And now all of a sudden he's gone. Um, so hopefully Keaton and these other guys are able to make that, those transitions and actually get a little bit more time with the with the coaches, get a little bit more time in the film room um, and, and, you know, get the questions that they need to have answered answered. So we'll see what happens with uh, with those guys. But I think that that's probably the. The, the way to look at it right now, I think they're, they're decent in a couple of those spots, but they, they would like somebody to step up safety with Ellis Wilson at wide receiver. I mean, Lucetta kind of remains just a, in, in a gray area right now because, okay, it makes sense to move him to defensive end, but then he's leaving behind a pretty thin linebacker room. So that front seven um, is going to be very much a work in progress all summer long. You see what you can get out of even guys like Zariah Fisher who made that move um, over the winter. So there's a lot of questions there, um, but when you're you're leaning on position changes, you know maybe it doesn't have the impact right away that you thought it might might be able to. For me, the Marquise Wilson move to wide receiver remains the most intriguing because what what to your point, Keaton Ellis, you know what is is he a second team safety and and how much is that really going to be a splashy move? All things considered, Marquise Wilson could catch eight or nine passes this season, Sean, but he could take two, three, four of them for big gains and, and make some special things happen. So. He's the guy who could flash in some areas. He doesn't need to be a finished product, but I think he just is the playmaker on the field where there could be some spots where he can swing a game. And I don't know if that necessarily you're going to see that from Luketa or Keaton Ellis in their new roles. He's the guy who has to get a lot accomplished, though, between now and September if Taylor Stubblefield is going to be ready to send him out as part of that rotation. Um, so just something to monitor there. Um, just a little bit of fun as we keep counting down toward uh, September 4th kickoff in Wisconsin. Again, every single day up on the site you'll see uh something about whatever player is is matched up today was Kaziah Izzard at defensive tackle number 99 Saturday it will be Jordan Stout number 98 at kicker and, and we'll work our way from there um one thing popped up in the NFL Sean this week I wanted to note DeAndre Tompkins who was out of the league last season after being cut uh after a short preseason stint with the Pittsburgh Steelers he has resurfaced and he is on the Green Bay Packers roster added to, to that team uh this week um you know, good luck to DeAndre Tompkins, the guy who was in the XFL for a bit, has that punt return ability, was an all Big Ten performer as a special teams returner, um, you know, never blew up as a receiver for Penn State, but was consistently catching 20 plus balls a year. Uh, and now he gets a shot. And, and I, I just kind of th- this leads into the point where there's a lot of Penn State wide receivers floating around the NFL right now, Sean. You've got KJ Hamler, who flashed as a second year player with as a rookie last year with the Broncos and going to th- look for a step here as a second year player. 
Chris Godwin and and, uh, and Allen Robinson both getting franchise tag, getting the lucrative paydays this offseason as well. Not so good news for Deshaun Hamilton this month as, as he had a knee injury away from the team with the Denver Broncos, and that led to his release. But uh, congratulations to DeAndre Tompkins. Obviously, much like Steven Gonzalez signing with the, the Arizona Cardinals in May, they're going to face a difficult process to try to stick around this season. Both were on drafted free agents. Um, but this is his third franchise, Eagles, Steelers, and now the Packers. Yeah. I mean, anytime you can run like that, you're going to be on the radar. Obviously, he had a very good short-lived XFL career. Um, but, you know, you've got a chance to make it make an impression on somebody. And I don't know that he sticks, but the fact that he's still bouncing around, giving a shot is is commendable. Same with Gonzalez, who's going to go to the Bills this year. So kind of in that same situation where it'd be a surprise for them to make the team. But they've got some traits that, you know, NFL guys, uh, NFL coaches like. So hopefully he can he can make the most of it, hang around as long as he can. Tompkins clocked a 4-3-3 40-yard dash at Penn State's Pro Day a few years back. So as you said, speed is an asset that doesn't depreciate uh, in the eyes of NFL uh, scouts. So we'll see how this shot works out for him. Five-star mailbag time, Sean. Uh, Time to get into our question here, and it uh, sets us up well for what lies ahead next week. Since the summer will be the first chance for several Penn State coaches to recruit in person with the program, who do you think will make the biggest impact with that opportunity. And, and just for our listeners, that's not just the guys who were hired this off season. That's the guy who were, who were hired last off season, Troutwine, Stubblefield. Those guys haven't had a chance to, to recruit in person as well, um, except for a few visits here and there, maybe last January into early March. I think we're talking about five guys here. Cause you said Troutwine and Stubblefield, John Scott, obviously Ty Hal, Oh, six guys. Sorry. Mike Yersich, Anthony Poindexter, and Anthony Poindexter. Yeah. This was a fantastic question. Uh, like we got, we get good questions. This was an awesome question. I was out there mowing yesterday and thinking about it. Cause I can make arguments for a lot of guys. I'm going to go with Poindexter mm. because he is a guy that's shown in the past that he can really recruit. Um, just, he's got a different energy than the rest of those guys. Um, so whether it be working at camp, whether it be, you know, meeting these guys in person for the first time, we've heard a lot of good things about Anthony Poindexter. So, we will see what's what's uh, what's going to go with that. I think he he just brings a different energy level, and like I said, you can make an argument. So like Phil Troutwine um, is really really well regarded in terms of getting out there, especially in practice, getting into drills, being a guy that's fun to watch, coach. Basically, now we we haven't been able to get out and see them in practice or anything like that, but I could see him really hitting it off with some guys that he gets into camp or he gets a chance to work with them with, with workouts and things like that. So I think those are the two that really jump out to me, but um, yeah, you can make an argument for a couple of those guys. Poindexter is where I landed um, upon initially checking this one out. And I just think his All-American credentials combined with that enthusiasm that he brings to the football field. We talked about when he was hired, maybe he he fills that void left behind by Sean Spencer a bit with, with, with that presence on the field. And those things really do make an impact when you're talking about these prospect camps, when you get into events like the Lash Bash in July when when players and parents are gravitating toward you and then they go home and, and, and they just have a different kind of impression than what you would have been able to make through a Zoom or through a FaceTime call or through texts. Um, but but since you went Poindexter, I, I'm going to go toward Mike Yursich. And this isn't as much about him recruiting as it is about him evaluating because I'm anticipating he's going to have not just Drew Alar, uh, Drew Aller and, uh, and, and Bo Perbula on campus for, for hanging out and talking and, re- and visits. I think both those guys are going to throw in front of him this summer. And that's a big step forward. Um, uh, clearly, uh, uh, Drew is a guy that he targeted and went after very hard. He inherited the commitment from Perbula. I think it'll be big for him to spend time with each of those guys, get on the same stage from a personality standpoint. I know there's a lot of fans who are, who are wondering how long Mike Yersich is going to be around Penn State. He's bounced around college football these last few years. A guy like him is always in high demand at different levels of football, but 2023 in that quarterback recruiting class, we know very little about that group right now, Sean. A lot of these guys made their first starts in the spring or last fall, haven't been able to get out to a lot of these different camps that we would normally have have seen build up some of their momentum, build up offer sheets. So to me, they've got eight offers out in the 2023 cycle right now. A lot of those are national names who won't end up even visiting Penn State. But I've been speaking with a lot of these, you know, whether it's guys in the state or in the region who are who are planning on making trips to Penn State. June and July. 
And I just think there's so much unknown that you're really going to want to trust in Mike Yersich, what he's seen in working with these players, start to build things out because you always need to be looking for that next elite quarterback. I know there's a lot of excitement about this two QB class in 2022, but to me, the ability to work with those two guys and then also get a long look at what the 2023 passers can present to Penn State and how they want to prioritize that recruitment that's something to me that's very important for Mike Yersich, even if folks are wondering if he'll be around by the time 2023 rolls around. Given what Mike Yersich is being asked to do as a recruiter, and, and Penn State has their coordinators basically on on their position, so quarterback for him, um, and not really covering a ton of area, but being a supplemental recruiter on offensive targets, given what he's been able to do, that's the, that's the first test with, with Drew Aller and uh, Bo Probula, two pretty good quarterbacks in already. To me, the next thing is what kind of draw does he have in terms of bringing in 2023 quarterbacks to work with him uh, at camp to check out the, you know, maybe come in from uh, from all over the place to check out uh, campus and and come for an unofficial visit or something. That's the next test for Mike Yersich. We're going to see what kind of pull he has. And it seems like, you know, based off of what we've heard already, it's pretty good. So I wouldn't be shocked to see some really good uh, passers um, showing up on campus. It's kind of, we've seen this before. We saw it with Joe Moorhead when he was here. It was kind of like, okay, Trace took off. That got everybody's attention. You're not going to have a chance to, to to have a Penn State quarterback take off. But, you know, your resume kind of speaks for itself. So I'm curious to see what kind of guys pop up from all over the country, 2023, maybe 2024 guys that he gets to work with in person. And if that's a good group, a good group that comes in, that's a pretty good sign for the future. And the quarterback market moves fast. So sophomores right now and rising juniors, that 2023 class may seem like they're a ways off, but most of these guys are going to be committed somewhere this time next year. That's the way the quarterback position usually works. So to develop those foundational relationships, to cross some guys off your list, to add some other guys onto that list, it's going to be helpful here in the next couple of months. That's kind of a long view with it for me. I would say just to add in the short term, because of the visitors that are coming through in June, and I don't know who's actually going to a camp. I, I know a lot of these guys are just official visits, but getting face-to-face, there's a major opportunity here for Taylor Stubblefield to keep rewriting his reputation here as a Penn State assistant coach because you, you talked about this earlier in the show. There's a bunch of good wide receivers coming through. Really impressive talent. So how do they interact and, and how does that maybe uh, help you establish the, the uh, receiver class that by the end of this cycle really could rival just about anybody in the country? Well, I think this camp season is going to be more about 2023s than, than mm-hmm. 2022s, but you've also got that that added caveat that you've got guys that you have quote unquote offered in 2022 that you want to get to campus, that you want to work them out and see if they can fit in and see if they're the athlete that, that can hang on your roster. Um, you know, probably more on the defensive side of the ball, but you get a chance for guys like Stubblefield to look at uh, at prospects. Uh, I'm sure Brent Pry will look at some linebackers, some defensive backs and things like that. So that'll be very interesting to me in terms of what they're able to find Um sort of towing that line between recruiting for the future, which is where your most of your focus is at camp and sort of giving the guys the chance to get across the line. So a guy like Keon Wiley on the defensive side of the ball, do you work him out at linebacker? Do you see if he can make the, make the transition? I mean, he's kind of an edge guy right now, but he's, he's got a lot. There's a lot to like about Keon Wiley. So I think that's really kind of where the focus is. Maybe this isn't really related to the question, but I think that's kind of where the focus is um, with the 2022 group right now. You mentioned Stubblefield. I'm curious about John Scott. We've, you know, much maligned John Scott in terms mystery of mystery man. Yeah. What he's been <laughs> able to do or not been able to do at, at defensive line recruiting. So maybe he's got a personality we don't know about. That's, a, that's another thing is you and I haven't been around these coaches in person uh, for the last year plus. So we haven't really picked up on, you know, maybe he's a dynamic on campus recruiter who knows. I mean, that's very much speculation right now, but at the same time, it, it might be in there. And Ty Howell seems to have done a, a nice job. You know, he's, he's worked in the recruiting department before, so he's got some recruiting background he's got coaching background seems to have gotten kids interested now now it's about taking that next step um seeing these guys on campus working with them at camp and and we'll see i think he's kind of probably got the longest leash right now in terms of of recruitment just because he is such a so so new to this process I know, by the way, you've got a revamped in a lot of ways a recruiting staff. Of course, you've got a familiar name coming back to campus with Kenny Sanders, but this is a big, I mean, there's an article out in 24-7 Sports today, uh, uh, kind of from a national angle, looking at what exactly is about to happen to college football in June as these campuses get filled with prospects. It was referred to in the headline as controlled chaos. 
how well can you can c- control that? Uh, maybe week by week, it gets a little bit better. Each weekend, you've got a loaded schedule, uh, but good luck to everybody. And I think this is a subject that we'll continue to, to really look at closely next week, making that transition into June. We've got some things lined up here in the show. I think our listeners will enjoy. Um, Sean, anything else to add b- before we wrap up this week and wrap up this episode of the podcast? Not really. I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, we're just kind of getting all that stuff behind us and excited to get guys back on campus. So it's good for us. It's obviously good for business. We can write uh, a lot more based on the guys that that are here. I'm really, really curious to see how Penn State puts all this behind them and makes that next step. I think James Franklin is, and I said it in my chat today, I think he's a different person than he was last year um, in the best way possible. I mean, it was very, very um, it's, it's like talking to two different people right now. Um, so hopefully that bleeds over. He's at his best when he's recruiting on campus, when he's got guys in front of him, um, rather than having zoom in front of him. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see you've got a mix in this recruiting staff of Kenny Sanders. Who's been here before done really well here before Alan Zemitis has a lot of energy. Uh, Hunter Carson, uh, is, has done a nice job connecting with prospects as well. So there's a lot of, um, optimism in terms of what that rec- new recruiting staff is able to do. Um, you know, we're a week away from put up or shut up type time, right. um, but they should have a lot of guys on campus, uh, especially, you know, over the first couple of weeks of June, getting into those camps. And I'm just, I'm excited to to have something to write about from that aspect. Plenty to discuss. And, and we'll also have another member of the 2022 recruiting class on with us next week. We recorded uh, with Tyrese Mills, and that was a really fun one as well. Uh, brought a lot of personality and uh, a guy who makes the leap from Lackawanna next year, like we've seen a few players do with Penn State and make an impact. Jaquan Brisker, Jair Brown at safety. That's where you'll find him on the field. And as he talked about, he can really you know, present a few options on the defensive side. Um, hear his story, why he ended up at the junior college level, and, and what he thinks about Penn State's impact in Philadelphia recruiting, which has been a hot topic. That's all coming your way on the next episode. We, thanks Alec, we thank Alex Paquetta uh, for joining us on this one. Thanks to Sean for his time. We hope wherever you're headed this weekend, whether you're staying home or, or making a trip, uh, you enjoy it. And hopefully you'll have the podcast uh, for the drive there. We'll talk to you next week. On behalf of Sean, I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Alliance 24-7 Podcast. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.